Monday, April 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Pro and Options, Brian Hinman and Jim Gillies. He's Jim back! G- Jim right, Gillies, Jim. back over the border. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Always good to see you. Let me get this out of the way right now. Um, since the, it seems like anytime I do a programming note, it doesn't always sink in. And maybe that's because I do it at the end of the podcast. So let me just start today's podcast by saying, uh, there's no show on Thursday. We're going to be off at Fulapalooza. It's our annual meeting this week. So we're here through Wednesday, but Thursday, we're not going to be here. We'll be at our annual meeting. We're still accepting angry emails though, right? We still are. We're okay. always accepting angry emails at radio at fool.com. I say that's a, that's a good, good idea to get that at the beginning because at the end of the show, that, that implies that, that people are actually listening all the way through. All the way it might not always be the case. Yeah, that's that's probably not always the case. Uh, earnings Palooza rolls on. We're going to talk Hasbro. We're going to talk Halliburton. Uh, but we're going to start with big trucks and equipment, and that means Caterpillar. Uh, Caterpillar's first quarter profit down 45%. The company also cut guidance. Uh, those those sound like a, that sounds like a pretty bad one-two punch there, Jim. It doesn't sound great, does it? <laughs> it doesn't and sound it certainly, great. And they, they missed uh, – analysts were already looking fairly askance this quarter, and they, they, they missed expectations on revenues. They missed expectations on earnings. But, I mean, we're talking – these are huge capital equipment um, purchases for anybody buying. I mean, how far out is this going? I yeah, It's bad, but you know what? Caterpillar, who's the number two provider of these types of things? <laughs> Yeah, I don't right. Joy Global I mean, to a degree, but that's really well. Joy very Global, cold, I mean, like you know, Kubota, um, is it, or Gell, I think was another one. Although Gell, Gell okay, now it just sounds like you're making up names. No, of companies. seriously. Um, but you know, it, it's these things. People are still, people will still be buying Caterpillar probably a year or two or five from now. They will recover from a quarter like this, and the market certainly doesn't seem to be. I mean, I think Caterpillar is up a, about a percent today so far. So it's not like people were. It wasn't moving not big. I had seen it down. It's not moving like big, half but... a percent or whatever. But uh, Jason, we were talking about before we started taping. I, the the CEO of Caterpillar was on CNBC this morning, and I get if you're a company executive, you want to, as Joe Mager would say, you want to talk your own book. You you certainly want to highlight what you think is strong about your company and I but I just found it slightly odd that he was so optimistic and saying things like this is the you know the most confident he's been in several years that when he looks at not just the US economy but the gl- economies around the world the word that comes to mind for him is stability I, I mean just a, that that just seems like a, Europe? a vague yeah. just a mildly out-of-touch statement to me. It, well, I don't know how out-of-touch. I mean, certainly he knows more about this business, I assume, than any of us in this room do. I would hope so. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, certainly inventories got hammered this year, which just portends, I think, a very slow 2013. And I, I don't know that stability is a word that I would come up with for uh, the the north of the, the U.S. economy or or the global economy or the Chinese economy. I mean, certainly when the spigot gets cut off and, and quantitative easing gets pulled back, I mean, I, I think there are going to be – uh, there, there's there's going to be a pullback generally in business, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is a solid company. Jim's right. I mean, it's, there's a reason why the market's not freaking out about this. Now, with that said, I mean, it's trading at around 11 times the full-year estimates, which I wouldn't call a screaming steal for this company. Uh, so I'd, I'd still probably be looking elsewhere. But, but those are also going to be depressed estimates, too. Yeah. So, I mean, if yeah, you've got a long-term horizon. Yeah, yeah, if you've got a long-term viewpoint. Yeah, it's, you know, speaking of looking elsewhere – uh, there's a company out there called Ritchie Brothers Auctioneers, mm. which basically plays uh, in the secondary market for these industrial machines, uh, and they're sort of like the eBay or the Sotheby's for uh, these, you know, these huge machines. Uh, so if 
new capital spending, capital spending on new equipment is apparently in the dumps, I would look for the secondary market to sort of pick up the slack. That sounds like CarMax for really huge equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just to wrap up on the stock, Jim, what do you think when you look at this stock, to Jason's point, it doesn't appear to be a screaming buy, and yet... You look over the last few years, this is a stock that has pretty methodically trailed the market average. It seems like if you're looking at big dividend payers, you can find better value elsewhere. You, you could. Uh, I think the, the one of the more encouraging things I saw was that they've they announced they've rebooted their stock buyback. So you know, if they, if it is roughly 11 times earnings and those earnings are depressed, you know, they're going to start deploying extra capital, supposedly in the service of shareholders. Not all buybacks do, uh, but that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah, that reboot really is is telling too, because Cat for the last couple of years has really been uh, turned inward and said we need to straighten out our balance sheet. They made a huge acquisition a couple of years ago, took on a lot of debt. Now they're apparently to the point where they feel comfortable with where their balance sheet is, uh, and that's a sign of confidence. Halliburton reported a first quarter loss due to charges tied to litigation involving the Deepwater Horizon disaster. But, Brian, I'm assuming there is some good news because shares were up more than 4% this morning. Charges, smarges. <laughs> you know, Chris, I feel like you invite me on this podcast just because you want to talk about guar gum. It always goes there. <laughs> it does? It all boils down to the guar. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, this is a, a U.S., uh, ex-U.S. story. Um, Halliburton's U.S. business is really struggling, uh, but their international revenue is up 21%. Uh, and this is a big deal because about 40% of ha- uh, Halliburton's revenues uh, is tied to these these big programs where basically they are selling huge systems and uh, sort of have customer lock-in. Well, traditionally, these systems have only been sold to the U.S., but now they're being sold internationally. So what they're doing is they're building relationships now with big international oil companies uh and hopefully that's going to mean you know recurring revenue uh, in the future. Now, the guar gum piece of this story is- I was just going to say, I, I speak so, not so only a, for myself, so, but for our dozens of listeners. So about what a, in the hell is guar gum? It was about a year ago, uh, I was on Market Foolery, and Halliburton was getting crushed because the price of guar gum, which they use uh, in some of their fracking products, uh, went through the roof. Uh, all of a sudden this now- Is it a chemical? No. I think it's, it's an ice bean. cream. It's natural. Yeah. <laughs> it's all natural. Uh, you can, it's actually in, in some food. It looks a little <laughs> bit like a vanilla bean. It does. Okay. It's a green vanilla bean. It's African. They also what grow do I in eat India that this would show up in? What it's viscosity, Chris. It's all about viscosity. Yeah, it, it, it basically changes the viscosity of you know whatever it is you're working with. And so it's sort of a thickening agent. Okay. So it's used in fracking. Fluid. I like to wallow in <laughs> ignorance in many areas of my life, and what I eat is one of them. So Chris, just- we discussed this a year ago, and you apparently paid no attention. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Your impression of my mother is getting better and better. Uh, Jason, when you look at uh, Halliburton, what do you see? Well, I mean, to Brian's point there, the, the Guar situation, they are facing some now tailwinds. This is a real headwinds from last year. But the thing I really like about Halliburton, which Brian also keyed in on, was this sort of the total, the total package. You know, they offer their, they offer their customers really the total package. So I think for, for Halliburton, it's really important to pay attention to their top line revenues. So the earnings, you know, let's disregard the fact they had to set aside some litigation expenses. Uh, top line revenues are healthy. They're growing and they are, they are seeing their margin picture improving. Uh, as as the year goes on, because of uh, just a, a better cost structure and really 
when they can bring people in to offer that total package, that gives them ultimately pricing power down the road, which I think is also very encouraging. And so Halliburton is one of a, of a very few companies that can provide uh, a lot of different services to their customers. And, uh, you know, global energy is just going to be around for as long as we are. So I kind of like it. Jim? I think what I liked the most was they jacked their dividend by about 40%. And they've have said we are going to. They they've also said we are going to pay out fifteen to twenty percent of our earnings going forward. So you're you know as as global growth continues and, and and goes up, your dividend is presumably going to be going up with it. And they've also said we're going to be doing extra share buybacks. So you know as a shareholder, you know the company is basically just committed to you are going to get X percent of what we earn and we're going to give it back to you. Do you guys That's think great. we're just going to keep seeing companies across? a whole range of industries just start to go down this road? I mean, we certainly had the rush at the end of 2012 where there were companies paying special one-time dividends, that kind of thing. But I'm just curious, are you? is that sort of your expectation that on average, all things being equal, companies are going to be looking to first and foremost increase their dividend, maybe more so than they have in the past? Well, I hope not. You know, I think that... that really? Well, well, well I, let me elaborate let me a little here. bit. Uh, <laughs> I really like it when uh, a company has uh, sufficient uh, projects to reinvest in uh, that it may not have enough money to, you know, pay out a huge dividend. Uh, ultimately, you know, like Halliburton, for instance, targets a specific return on capital and monitors that. Historically, it's been about 15% return on capital. That's really good. Uh, there's no guarantee that when they pay out a dividend to me that's in tax that I'm going to be able to reinvest it at a rate that is you know, that, that meets that. So I would rather have them fully invest in their projects, which I'm sure that they are doing and they have extra cash. But still, uh, I'm looking for situations that are able to reinvest a ton of capital. Do you like Halliburton stock even with the pop today? You know, I do. I, I think it's probably worth closer to 50 and it's, you know, probably mid 40s now, I think. Uh, but the long term story there is is pretty simple. You know, modest rig count increases. They are well positioned for uh reserves that are hard to get out of the ground and deep water reserves, and that's sort of the future of energy at this point. Hasbro's first quarter loss widened due to some restructuring charges. Shares hitting a new 52-week high this morning. What's going on, Jason? Yeah, I was a little bit, not shocked, but certainly surprised to see the reaction to this because, again, I think going beyond the earnings uh, number for this company, you want to look at their sales, which were relatively flat. I mean, 2% is not all that inspiring, especially when we saw Mattel last uh, week. I think it was clocking around 8% growth, Um, and Hasbro is seeing a pretty pretty big uh, hit to their boys section which you know, I can't help but wonder if maybe Hasbro is starting to feel some pressure from the the ongoing advancements in, in technology and how they they uh, play out on the toys that, that we buy our kids. Um, and, and so, really, for you know, when I look at something like a Hasbro, uh, I mean, yeah, there was modest sales improvement, modest you know improvement in the margin line. But but again, when I compare it to something like a Mattel, uh, I mean, I mean, I think you know. The, if I'm gonna have to, if I'm gonna be forced to pick one toy maker, it's gonna be Mattel over Hasbro, probably nine times out of ten. And yet, in their other three divisions, uh, games, preschool, uh, the girls' division, uh, revenue was up in all three. So, I mean, they, yeah. certainly they're they're doing something and, right. And to their credit, I mean, they did face apparently a tough comp because of some uh, success last year with Star Wars toys and Beyblades, which I don't have boys, so I don't really know much about all oh, that yeah. stuff. But Jim and I are, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I remember the, the the impact that Star Wars toys had on me when I was a kid and they're certainly uh 
certainly very popular, and, and I imagine that with with the uh, New Deal and all these new Star Wars movies com- coming out, they'll be able to capitalize on that somewhat as well. Um, they've done a great job man- managing their inventory levels. Inventory is coming down a little bit. Management stated in the call they're going to continue to focus on inventory. So really, I would pay a lot of attention to their inventory levels compared to the revenue growth and make sure that there's not you know any kind of a crossing there at any point in the near future. But you still, uh, just if you're looking in the toy space, you prefer Mattel over Hasbro. Uh, yeah, I do. It's just it's a bigger company. It's got a bigger global reach. They maintain consistently better margins. It's got a better balance sheet. The stock is just it's well outperformed Hasbro over the course of the last five years. Nobody's not to like it. Uh, one of the big franchises for Hasbro um, is Transformers, of course. Uh, so we'll wrap up today with with just a one question quiz about Transformers. Uh, oh so no. I'm going to spot you up with yeah, four. I know, like Zippy. I'm going to I'm going to spot you up with four Transformers. You tell me one which one is not real, okay? Um, <laughs> Pepsi Prime, Optimus Prime is obviously so Pepsi Prime, uh, Titanic Bot. FDR bot, which I, I believe is, is off of uh, <laughs> former, one of these former President real, right? uh, Franklin Delano okay. Roosevelt, uh, and the Hello Kitty sewing machine. Let me review these real quick. <laughs> Pepsi Prime, Titanic bot, FDR bot, Hello Kitty sewing machine. Which one of those is not a real Transformer? Jason, I'll start with you. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of some pressure here, especially because I got that Barbie question right last week. You did. You nailed that one. Okay, so I feel like just you go with a presidential. I mean, FDR. Geez, no, nah, it's got to be FDR. That's that's got to be the fake one. Okay, Jim, you. I'm pretty sure there's a a Hello Kitty. There's got to be one because my daughter probably has it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking here, you know, Poutine Prime or something like that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Pepsi Prime. Pepsi I just Prime. sounds okay. like odd I, to I, me. I think Hello Kitty has way too much international appeal, so that one's got to be real. So I'm gonna go Pepsi Pepsi Prime. Pepsi Prime. Um, FDR bot is not real. Uh, they, <laughs> All right, he's two for two, they, folks. They are, the street continues. They are willing to draw the line somewhere. Apparently, they're not willing to draw the line at the Titanic bot, which is, you know, just well, this. It's, Pepsi, it's a Pepsi's boat that immediately goes to the bottom. Money grab. That's yeah. just an easy money grab. It's transparent. Pepsi Prime, uh, Jim. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little shocked that you didn't get this one right because this was actually a, a play in Canada in the '80s. Uh, yes, it was a, a Pepsi version of Optimus Prime. It was a picture of an 18 wheeler. With Pepsi logos everywhere that turns into Optimus Prime. Of course and yes, it does. Uh, as Brian Hinman's astute analysis uh, nailed it, a Hello Kitty sewing machine transformer yes. wow. is a real thing. I would actually buy that for my daughters. I mean, they, they love Hello Kitty. I think that mm-hmm. would probably have a modicum of success in our household. You're probably not the only one. <laughs> uh, Jason Moser, Jim Gillies, Brian Hinman. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Titanic, Titanic bot. A ship that transforms yeah, into well, a reef. That's the first you're going to offend someone with one of those, too. I mean, the FDR bot. Yeah, I, don't know if, like I don't know if you realize you said that. <laughs> Hasbro takes a hit to to its boys. <laughs> Didn't I say boys section? You said section, yeah. okay. but but that doesn't make it I, any better. A hit to the boys. <laughs>